Bonaparte. Most think of Napoleon, but his great-grandniece Marie taught us much about female sexual dysfunction. After all, it was to Marie Bonaparte that Sigmund Freud remarked, the great question that has never been answered and which I have not been yet able to answer, despite my 30 years of research into the feminine soul, is, what does a woman want? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Mary Roach. Mary is the acclaimed author of Bonk, The Curious Coupling of Science and Sex. She has a storied career as a science writer, including being a columnist at Salon.com and a contributing editor at the science magazine Discover. Welcome to ReachMD, Mary. Thank you. Mary, I have to begin by saying I learned a lot about all sorts of things, <laughs> sex and science, in your book, Bunk. And most of the things I learned I didn't know that I didn't even know them. Is this a common response to your readers? Absolutely, and it applies to me as well. I would be looking through some journal article or some old book, and I'm constantly stopping going, no, (laughs) they did what? I was reading it on a plane. I kept elbowing my husband. You're not going to believe this one. So we were fighting over your book at one point. Oh, I love to hear that. Let's move on to the topic for our segment today, uh, female sexual dysfunction. Tell us about Marie Bonaparte. Marie Bonaparte, she was a woman of means. She was a princess, in fact. She was married to a Prince George of Greece, and she had sort of a side interest in sexuality, and she got interested in female sexuality because she herself was unable to have an orgasm during intercourse, and she felt that she was missing out on a great deal and wanted to understand why this was the case, and she suspected it had to do with the distance between the clitoris and the vagina, and she actually interviewed, I think it was over 200 women, and took measurements on them and found a correlation between the distance between the two and the ease with which the woman could have an orgasm during missionary position intercourse. So she then published a paper on this. She, and this was in the late teens, early 20s, 1920s, she actually became so convinced that she'd figured it out. She knew a physician, Joseph Halban, and she, along with him, they devised a surgery. She actually had her own clitoris moved closer to her vagina, surgically, the tip of it, which is a pretty extreme tactic. And sadly, it's not effective. She actually had the surgery done twice. And uh, it's kind of a sad story. You just wanted to take her aside and say, Marie, try another position. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to imagine. <laughs> try this. a vibrator. So was this done on other women, this procedure besides Marie Bonaparte? It was done on a few handful of others. And there were a couple patients that supposedly it was helpful. They initially did a trial run on a cadaver. And then Marie was the very first. And then there were three or four other patients and kind of mixed results. But Marie herself never benefited from it. Her husband was gay, so you would think, you know, ha, 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 there's the problem, perhaps. But in fact, Marie had a number of lovers, including the Prime Minister of France. Mm-hmm. And she had this problem with all of them, so she became convinced that it was because of her being a, what she called a teleclitoridienne, which translates loosely to she of the distant clitoris. Did she become a psychoanalyst before or after this surgery? After, and that's why she had to do some backpedaling because in Freudian theory, vaginal intercourse and vaginal orgasm are the pinnacle of femininity. You're supposed to move away from clitoral sexual satisfaction and become more fully feminized. And so when she became a a Freudian, she did some backpedaling. She did say, oh, you know, what I said was too much of a generalization and 
not entirely true. And so she sort of denounced her own findings when she became a Freudian. So we know that clitoral relocation surgery doesn't seem to work. In your research, what did you find that's positive in treating female sexual dysfunction? Well, if you look at the marriage manuals of that time, of Marie's time, the 1920s were a fairly open time in Western civilization in terms of attitudes towards sex compared to, say, the 40s, 50s. And there were all these wonderful diagrams and suggestions to women to try being on top. I mean, they talked about the importance of the clitoris and they made suggestions of other positions that more directly stimulate the clitoris. And so there were even more solutions back in Marie's day. Also, some of the manuals actually talked about oral sex, although they called it genital kisses. They didn't call it oral sex. So there were even some mentions of that, all of these things that you kind of wish Marie had looked into before she climbed onto the operating table. Now, of course, treating men has become commonplace with medications like Viagra and the subsequent ones. Does Viagra have a place in treating female sexual dysfunction? Viagra was tested on large groups of women, and while they found that Viagra did in fact cause an increase in genital blood flow, which you can measure fairly easily with a device. If you asked the women subjectively, describe how you felt or how aroused they felt, they they weren't finding significant differences in in how the women felt. In other words, it wasn't doing anything for them. There was a, a physical change, but it wasn't translating in the women's minds to, yeah, I feel much more sexual or I'm much more turned on. So they abandoned the effort to market Viagra to women. If you're new to our channel, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is author Mary Roach. We're discussing female sexual dysfunction. Mary, in your travels, talking to all of the sex researchers around the country and, and the world, really, did you find anything that does seem to help women in our era? Yeah, female sexual dysfunction is kind of a broad term, and it tends to get broken down into female sexual arousal disorder, which is women who you know, have trouble feeling aroused. Then there's female sexual desire, you know, hypoactive sexual desire, which is essentially low libido. Women who just aren't in the mood, don't think about sex, don't really crave sex. There's not the desire to have sex. Then the arousal disorder is, well, I want to have sex, but I don't really get turned on. And then there's orgasmic disorder. So there's this whole array of things that fall under the umbrella female sexual dysfunction. So you kind of have to look at them all separately. And where the most research is going on right now is with libido, uh, sexual desire, particularly in postmenopausal women. There is, of course, testosterone, which you know, very small doses of testosterone do boost libido, but the intrinsic, the patch that was almost set to go, the Food and Drug Administration wanted more safety data. So there's a testosterone patch available in Europe, but not here in the United States. But I think often doctors will prescribe testosterone. You can go to a compounder, use small amounts of testosterone to treat low libido. But then there's a whole bunch of drugs that are sort of in the pipeline being tested. Not drugs like Viagra that deal with blood flow, but more dealing with the central nervous system and having a more direct effect on on desire and mood. So that's where a lot of the money is right now. Now, you mentioned in your book, Bonk, for treating female orgasmic dysfunction, that there's a kind of an expensive gizmo, a clitoral pump. Yeah, there's a device called the Eros Clitoral Therapy device. And yeah, it's about $400. And the idea is that it's a suction device. It's a bit of a vibration factor as well. And it fits over the clitoris and it sort of sucks blood into the clitoris. And I was unclear. I called them up and I said, is the idea here that going to change long-term the physiology of the clitoris, or is it just sort of getting women more 
you know, getting more blood into the clitoris right before they have sex. I mean, are we treating individual acts of sex or are you trying to change the woman's physiology? And they said, no, they thought that possibly just pulling more blood into the area, getting more blood into the area was helpful, which led me to say, well, what's wrong with an ordinary vibrator or your finger? Because when you're sexually aroused, that's what you're, you're bringing more blood into the genitals. So it wasn't entirely clear to me why you would need to purchase a $400 device. One answer I was given was that, well, for some women who are uncomfortable buying a vibrator, to have a medical prescription and to think of it as a medical solution makes them more comfortable. So, you know, fair enough. Yeah, although I see it's uh, for sale on Amazon.com. So. You can buy it anonymously, yeah. So it was an interesting approach. There are studies, I go into it in more detail in Bonk, but there are studies that they've done that have seemed that suggest that it's helpful. And I said to one of the people doing these studies, has anyone ever done a study looking at whether masturbating once a day would make women have orgasms more easily or get aroused more easily? Has anybody looked at that? And they said, that's a great idea. And I said, well, why don't you do it? She said, are you kidding? Try to get funding for a study that looks at the health benefits of masturbation? I don't think so. So what's new in the area of sex research? Most of what's going on has to do with pharmaceutical solutions. Sadly, there aren't too many people doing the straight-on physiological work that used to happen more in the 60s and 70s. For one thing, a lot of stuff has been figured out. But there are folks that are, you know, looking at trying to figure out the exact mechanism that triggers ejaculation. There are folks who are looking at reflexes of the pelvic floor muscles during penetration and how they interact. This is a, a researcher in Egypt. He's actually passed away. But he was doing lots of work on these reflexes that happen during sexual intercourse. But these physiology studies, there just aren't very many of them anymore because there's just not a lot of funding dollars to go around. And sex is viewed more as a lifestyle issue by a lot of people than it is as a medical issue. So it tends not to be as high priority as some other things. Well, thank you for being on our show and thank you for writing the book. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Thanks for having me on. We've been speaking with Mary Roach, the author of Bonk, The Curious Coupling of Science and Sex. Today, we've been talking about female sexual dysfunction. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at reachmd.com. If you register with the promo code RADIO, you will receive six months of free streaming for your home or your office. If you have comments or suggestions, questions, or ideas for future shows, call us at 888-MD-XM-157. Thank you for listening.